Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter and the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Up next, Out Loud with John O'Caldwell, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Imagine you're a Marine deployed to Afghanistan. Your job is to find and dispose of enemy bombs. One day you're out there with your team doing your duty. You pause for a few minutes to take a breather and readjust your gear. But then you take one step to the right and directly onto an IED. The explosion changes your life forever. Today we'll hear this very story from the man who lived it. This is Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. Welcome back to Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. I'm Gianno Caldwell, and on this week's show, we're talking about the military, overcoming adversity, and helping others. My guest today knows something about all three. He's Johnny Joey Jones, a retired U.S. Marine who served two combat deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan and eight years of active service in the Marine Corps. In 2010, Joey suffered a life-changing injury while deployed in Afghanistan as an explosive ordnance disposal technician. After stepping on an improvised explosive device placed by the enemy, he lost both his legs above the knee and suffered severe damage to his right forearm and both wrists. Since recovering, Joey has dedicated his work to helping veterans and their families. In 2019, Joey became a Fox News contributor, and now he currently hosts Fox Nation Outdoors and Fox Proud American Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss his life story, all things military, and what drives him to devote so much of his life to helping veterans. And with all of that, I welcome Joey Jones to the show. Thank you so much for coming on Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. Well, thanks for having me on, man. When you you hit me up about this, I was really excited. I love these long-form conversations. No, I'm excited myself. Now, I want to just go right into it because you've achieved great success in your life and you have so much going on professionally. But I want to begin this conversation by going back before all of that, even before the military. I know you come from humble beginnings. You were the first in your family to graduate high school. Big deal. (laughs) Yeah. No, sincerely, I'm telling you, as someone who's come from these kind of environments, too, I know how big of a deal that is. 
and at one point you worked as a forklift operator at a flooring manufacturer. Can you talk a bit about how you grew up and the values that were instilled in you at a very young age? Yeah, you know, I mean, that kind of says it all, right? The first one in my family to graduate high school, to walk across the stage. And it's not for lack of intelligence. It was for lack of opportunity because you had other responsibilities. My dad had two brothers. My mom had four siblings herself. And they were both born for the purpose of being a part of the family farm kind of thing. Like you needed all hands on deck. That's why you had children. And I kid all the time and tell people like my dad's experience went from like 1959 to 2000 and he didn't really catch all that that happened in between because it was like he stayed in in this kind of no technology work hard and 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 take care of your family mentality up until he was 60 and had no choice but to have a smartphone to talk to me and uh and so all that time in between things were pretty pretty much you know you rely on your family and you 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 owe what you owe to your family and they owe it to you and there were a lot of hiccups and a lot of problems a lot of adversity but to have that coming out and going into the world um any success i've had it's because i had that foundation mm, mm. now you just mentioned something that i i want to dig into more you said that there was a lot of problems and a lot of adversity you mind talking about that a little bit? No, not at all. And I talk about this fairly freely. My dad was an alcoholic and my mom suffered from her own problems. Uh, I think her diagnosis is manic. Um, I get them mixed up, it's like manic or bipolar or something. She has really high highs, really low lows and doesn't trust anybody. And when she's in her lows, she thinks everybody's legitimately trying to undermine her or hurt her. And it's because she was um, you know, abused in a lot of ways growing up. And, um, and like, for example, my mom was woken up at 15 and said, Hey, you're going to go with this man and you're going to marry him. And he, it's because he had traded her dad, basically his truck. And, um, and that's in South Alabama, you know? And so not, not to paint everyone that from her side of the family is bad, but that was the experience they had. So my mom, you know, lost her virginity and, and got pregnant on her wedding night. And my sister was born. She was what, 16, 17 years older than my sister. And so in my sister's early years, my mom was figuring it out. She went through a lot of depression and, and drug addiction. And when she found my dad, she also kind of found redemption. And he had had his own struggles through his first wife. And, and they were kind of each other's saving grace at that time in her life. And from it came me. And then a few years after that came a marriage. So, I mean, if you talk about as, as redneck and hillbilly as it gets, that was it. But from that adversity came a lot of things that they were never able to overcome, but always had the heart and the mindset to overcome it. You know, they more than anybody I've ever known focused on making life better for their kids than what they had had. And uh, my dad's family was very positive. I mean, they were salt of the earth. I mean, not as not as maybe parody backwards, but very much like the Clampets from Beverly Hillbillies. Like they just everything was about the family. My dad had two brothers, his mom and dad. My grandparents on my dad's side was the epitome of what a, a love should be uh, for two people. And so when my, say, for example, like my dad always wanted me to play football, but he only ever came to two football games because he couldn't drink there. But I had a grandfather and two uncles that were there. So if you put all four of them together, I had all the right positive experiences for a father. And um, and I was very lucky in that, you know, and, and we talk all the time about like a nuclear family and how important the father is. Well, you know what? Aunts and uncles and grandparents are important, too. Like it does take a village. And um, and I just wish people would understand the honor and importance it is to be in a child's life, regardless of kind of where you, what position you hold by title, because it took my aunts and my uncles and my grandparents and my older sister 
Um, and they all invested in me. And man, don't I just owe it to them to go out and get it done? Mm, wow. That, <laughs> man. You know, as you talk, it, it so much reminds me of my own life, although the circumstances were a bit different. My mom was addicted to crack cocaine. And my dad was in my life. I saw him on the weekends. My grandfather, small business, plumbing construction business. He would take me with him on the weekends. But things were really rough uh, during the week at home. And the things that I saw, and it reminds me so much of my own upbringing. And I know that even years after being removed from that environment, because I'm 34 years old, now moved out of the house when I was 19 years old, those issues from way back when still impact me today. And you think about the reality of how you think right now, how you move, you know, when people say things to you, how it makes you feel. How is that impacting you today? You know this. And what I love about this is we're so different, yet so alike. And that's that's because the human condition is consistent, right? Like more than likely, you and I were exposed to the type of trauma and had the just the, the good luck or good influence to respond to it in a way that it ultimately became a positive thing for us because when we started to experience trauma as adults, we had tools to deal with it and it didn't just wreck us because, hey, we've been there, we've done that, and we figured it out through God's grace, good luck, and maybe some good people. And so uh, not to jump over, away from your, your question to begin with, but today when I experience trauma, like, for example, getting blown up in Afghanistan, I've got a basis of knowledge. Like, I've been through the the valley and I know that I'm going to make it to the mountaintop like I've done that before I mean I've I've sat there and watched my dad get mad about things and throw the refrigerator out the back door and my mom just crying and it's like man it can't get worse than this and then we wake up the next morning and he takes us to breakfast and he owns up to what he did wrong and he explains himself and we go on about our lives and it's not because that'll never happen again but it's because he doesn't ever want it to happen again right and so like humans make mistakes and they keep making them but if you can survive that as a child and come out in a positive way, come out knowing these people loved you, even if they hurt you sometimes, and, and not on purpose, and, and were remorseful, and you can learn to forgive them and see something in them that's better than your than their worst moment, then when you go through trauma of your own as an adult, one, you know whatever that is, you're going to survive it. Two, when you do make mistakes, you know there's redemption there for it. And three, you see that love is complex, and it's not black and white. It's not a rom-com. It comes with its own skeletons, but it also comes with the sunshine, too. And um, and so that's kind of the way I process things. And um, and it's been very helpful. Like it, You, in your words, said I'm very successful, and I think I am, but I'm successful because I have two kids, and I love them, and they know it. And I just don't know that there's more success than that. Man, I mean, you're just dropping jewels. It's, what you're saying is very profound, and I think – for a lot of people who are listening right now, they can just apply some of these principles to their own lives, no matter if they came from a wealthy family, no matter if they came from a poor family, whatever the set of circumstances were, they can take exactly what you're saying and just reevaluate their lives based on that and say, man, I can do better. What did you say with the, the grace of God, um, good luck and, and some good people? I, th I think that's just I think that's really amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Joey. Now. You mentioned Afghanistan, and you joined the military when you were 18 years old. Why did you join the military at 18, and what was your experience like during the first few years in the military, including your deployment in Iraq? You know, why I joined the, the military is, you know, hell, I'm a product of that 9-11 generation, right? It, it affected all of us, and we all found different ways to 
respond to it, but I don't believe any of us did not have the trajectory of our lives changed if we were adolescent, preteen, or teen and watched those towers fall and what happened to our country afterwards. For me, the military was just the avenue. Like, I remember, um, you know, a lot of people remember the towers falling. I saw that, but it, it didn't have an immediate impact because. Growing up in North Georgia with not a lot of money, never been on an airplane or even a bus, New York was as far away as Tel Aviv. Like it just was not even, it didn't even register. So I didn't have that immediate impact of, hey, they attacked us on our home soil. But what I did have was a few years later when a guy that was on my football team, an upperclassman, deployed and came back. And just the changes in him. He had seen war, yeah, but he'd also seen boys become men and, and women or girls become women. And like he had seen a new team and a brotherhood and, and just, you could, that's what came from him, not just the war. And I thought, man, how, how cool to be to have some of that in my life. So when I graduated high school, it, that was the accomplishment. There was no expectation beyond that for my parents who had never seen that. That was the accomplishment, even in 2004 when college was more mainstream so for me, it was like, well, I didn't have the financial support or really the attention span to go into college. Laying brick and block was not easy, so I joined the industry in my town, which was to make carpet, and didn't really like that a whole lot. And there just needed to be something more, and I just remember the day I woke up and realized my mom cleans houses, and my dad builds them. They provide services for other people, and they do it with hard work. What can I do? Like, How do I honor that? How do I honor everything they give up to give me decent clothes to go to school in and a vehicle to drive, things they didn't get. How do I honor that? And the military just was the most obvious thing for me. So in short, because nothing I say is short, I kind of <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> went for selfish reasons because it was about me and my life, but it was also uh, for others in the sense that, um, I'll, I'll put it to you this way, I joined the Marine Corps at 18 and that was all about me. But by the time I was 20, it was all about being some, a part of something bigger than myself and, and serving. It really did. Everything they preached, man, I just soaked it up and it made sense to me. More with Joey Jones right after this. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <laughs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. 
There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. How old are you, Joey? I'm 34 for about three more weeks, so I'm I'm hanging in there. <laughs> wow, bro. I'm 34 too. Okay, so you're a little older than me by, what, uh, five months or so. So, no, that, that's great to know. I didn't really realize that. Now, in 2010, you were deployed in Afghanistan as a bomb technician. And, I mean, there was a life event that pretty much changed your entire existence. Now, it was a day that you stepped on a, uh, you improvised explosive device, IED, and lost both your legs. Can you take us back to that day? Can you describe what happened? Yeah. Fortunately or unfortunately, one of the big misnomers, and, and movies are probably to blame for this, but also just trauma in general, like people think when you get hit by a bomb, you're knocked out and you wake up in the hospital. And the truth is, unless your head gets hit, you don't go unconscious. Matter of fact, you're going through shock, which means in some ways you're way more alert than you probably want to be. So my job as an EOD explosive ordnance disposal or bomb technician was kind of like the movie Hurt Locker, although the movie doesn't really show the job correctly. In in reality, by 2010 in Afghanistan, we didn't wear bomb suits and we worked on two-man teams, not three-man teams. And we were walking on foot with a patrol. We weren't in a vehicle with robots. And the majority of the work we did was by hand. Um, we tried to use robots when we could, but in Afghanistan, the bombs were placed in, in so remote places we couldn't get the equipment there. And so my number one tool for taking apart a bomb was a pair of trauma shears um, and like a little hook with some cord on it so I could get some distance when I needed to, uh, black tape, and then another explosive charge if I had to blow it in place. And it was all by hand. And so I say that because a lot of people don't understand that. And so I did this for six months on that deployment and then on the sixth morning of an operation, it was August 6th. We started it on August 1st. The job was to go in and clear out a town called Safar Bazaar. You can look it up and Google it. We have our little Wikipedia page. It was Operation Roadhouse 2. And we took a couple hundred Marines and six bomb techs. And those six bomb techs were three teams of, of two men each. And each team had its own responsibility. And my team, mate, and I had the responsibility of, of being with the main effort, so clearing the main path ahead of us. And so for five days, we cleared city blocks street by street. And then on the sixth day, we started clearing the buildings. And the, the town was pretty much a ghost town because our respect for collateral damage in civilian life means we're going to let them know we're coming. And this town was known for stockpiling the bomb parts that they would send up to other places. 
So when we told them we were coming in order to keep the civilians safe, the bad guys took all those bomb parts and put them in the ground and made a minefield out of the town. But we had to go in and clear the town because they were using it basically as an as a enemy base. And so for five days, we were very successful. I worked 38 IEDs in five days. And um, on the sixth morning, basically what happened is I stepped on an IED I didn't know was there. And that happens. It's kind of ironic considering I knelt down and touched a hundred of them with my hands. And it was the one I didn't even know was there that got me. Um, and the, the unfortunate part about that day is that a Marine engineer, Corporal Daniel Greer from Knoxville, Tennessee, um, lost his life to the same bomb. And that's really the irony of war. I stepped on it. He was 20 feet away. A piece of a, a wall, a big rock hit him in the head, traumatic brain injury took his life. And of course I lost my legs, but man, you know, I, it'd be very selfish of me to complain about losing my legs when that could have taken my life. And so Really what that was, if anything, was just a wake-up call. It kind of kind of reset my compass a little bit as I began to recover. A lot of other things changed in my life, and, um, and I had a chance to just kind of refocus. And my recovery was an opportunity, to, to say the least. And it's, you know, I tell people all the time, let today be the last worst day of your life, which means you can change your perspective and make every day after a tragic event better. Um, and that's what I chose to do. Did you have children at that point? I had a son, and, and you know, I told you before we got started, and I love these kind of conversations because I get a chance to just kind of let it go. And uh, so the whole story of my son is I was very single and very much a Marine and in very good shape and enjoyed to meet new people, to include ladies. And so I had a son uh, from a one-night stand, and I just found out about him right before I deployed. He had made it to about five months old before I met him. And uh, I like to say I did the right thing, but I just did the, the, the only option I had, which was I was ecstatic. I had a child. I gave him my name. His mom and I worked together to figure it out and do all the legal stuff. We, we didn't get together, but we decided to raise this son as two parents that love him. And so when I got hurt, I'd only spent two or three days with him. And by the time I got hurt and made it home, he was a year old. Um, and so I tell people, you know, we learned to walk together and, uh, and that's how we became friends and, and a father and a son. And he's been here with me ever since now I've got a little daughter. Mm, that's a, that's a man. I tell you, that's one of the more interesting stories, especially when you know that life isn't all about you anymore. And you had this experience that you just mentioned was from a one night stand. You didn't know that you had a child out there, but you find out right before you go, and I'm imagining as you have this experience, because you talk about the, a bit about the recovery, but as you have this experience mentally, I just wonder what was going on with you at that time. You got you got a child now. You're like, okay, how you know how are they going to look at me? I didn't spend much time with them. Your family, I'm sure, probably was you know all concerned about what was going to happen, what life was going to be like for you. And I know you were wondering what life was going to be like for you. You know, one of the, I guess, unfortunate blessings of my job, and there, when I joined the Marine EOD field, and, and the, what's different about the Marine Corps than the other services is to become a bomb tech, you volunteer into it, but you have to have served for a certain amount of years and reach a certain rank before you can do it. And they really want anybody that goes to that training to be dedicated to it and know really what they're getting into. And so just to join the Marine Corps EOD field, man, I'd seen it happen. I'd had buddies deploy, come back without legs. I kind of knew the process. And then even on that deployment, I'd seen it happen a half a dozen times, either right in front of me or showed up immediately after and helped clean it up. So when I lost my legs and went through the recovery, it was more about just kind of 
uh, setting a goal and checking it off, setting a goal and checking it off. I, I can't say that I was prepared for it, but I, it didn't hit me by surprise either. If your job is to take bombs apart, you better be mentally prepared for the probabilities, if not if not the possibilities. And uh, and so for me, like for example, man, I got a picture of the first time I peed standing up, and it was kind of funny, but it was also a goal I set. Like, hey, that's something I used to do without thinking twice. I can't do that anymore. I need help to go to the bathroom. When I'm walking enough that I can take myself to the bathroom and stand up and urinate, like I'm going to take a picture of it and mark that day. And I did that with every goal. And, and as far as my son goes, I mean, I often say he kind of saved my life because I never w wanted for motivation. Nothing motivates you like responsibility. And I had his, I had responsibility to be a father. And you can't do that laying in a hospital bed worried about what you lost. You got to be able to appreciate what you have and, and do the right thing. And so for me, it was like, you know what? I've got to learn how to throw a baseball without legs. I've got to learn how to teach this kid to drive. I've got to learn how to take him to a restaurant. I've got to learn how to discipline him and work him like my dad did me. Um, and these legs can't be the reason why I don't do that. He deserves more than that. You know, Joey, thank you for sharing that story. But I, I, I'm reminded of how we first met. And I believe, if I'm correct, the first time we met was in a, a Fox Nation studio, and we were on a panel together. And I just remember thinking and seeing you and wondering, how the hell does this guy have such a, a, a great attitude? And you were just, and every time I've seen you since, we were just hosting a show together on Fox News Channel maybe, what, three weeks ago or so. And you're just always in good spirits. I text you, you're good spirits. How do you have such a, a, a good disposition after all that has happened um, to you and, 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 and certainly with your family? How do you continue? You're happier, seemingly, to me than people who have had everything good go for their lives. And I, I, I get it. Not everyone's had everything good going for their lives. But certainly they got all kind of things to call for money, success and all these other things. You're more happy than they are. How is that possible, Joey? Uh, you know, you see these movies and you have these spoiled brats and they're always complaining because they've never they've never needed to want for something. And they they have created this false expectation that everything's supposed to happen and happen the way they want it to. That was never a factor in my life. I'm, I'm not saying that I wasn't taken care of, but it was never presented to me that things would go the way I wanted them to or even in my favor. It was presented to me that things got to get done. The chores got to get done. The work's got to get done. And you got to be the one doing it. And so I just have a gratitude for the positive things that happen in my life. And, and I, it's hard for me not to focus on them. I did, you know, there are some people that are really good at sports, they're really good at dancing and singing. I don't have any of those gifts, but life has a way of, of working out for the, for the positive things I want in my life. And I'm always grateful for that. That's a blessing. And I, I mean, I wish I had a better answer because I know, I know how difficult it is for some people. Um, but I just, you know, something clicked for me a long time ago that made me just incredibly grateful to still be alive, but also to still have these blessings in my life. And I've never felt like they were supposed to happen. I've never felt like I was owed them. I never felt like they were going to happen no matter what. And so when you're raised to work for it and then things happen and you don't feel like you've even worked that hard for it, like you like, I, it's hard to explain, but it's like I didn't do anything for my daughter to love me, but make her. But she loves me unconditionally. Oh, my God, that's such a blessing that I wake up happy. Like when I wake up and I hear her say, Daddy, it's like, why in the world would would she be so happy to see me? Like th those things happen every day. And 
if you're not grateful for that, if it doesn't make you happy, like, I don't know, you can be happy and I worry for you. Man, <laughs> this is your antidote. It's, it's so inspiring. Now, let me ask you this question. What role does God play in your life? Because I hear a lot of tones in what you say and everything you say, and you've, I've seen it on air. What role does God really ultimately play in your life? All the roles and none of them are defined. Like, I was raised in church, and I don't go to church now. Um, but not, I don't have anything against it. It just isn't um, the experience I'm looking for. I, I have a very spiritual experience. I pray and talk to God a lot, and, um, and but I don't want to limit God. And so my experience is that the difference between faith and religion is, is religion is we as people trying to figure it out, and faith is just feeling it. And so I've leaned into faith, and I, and I, I worry that if I ascribe to a specific um, dogma, I guess I would be limiting God's ability to play a role in my life. If I if I put rules on God, then perhaps I'd limit God. And so I believe in fate, and I believe in things of that nature, um, and I don't I don't corner it, so I don't stop it from from working the way it's supposed to. I don't think any human being makes it through most of life's adversity for any of us by ourselves. And if it's through the works of a deity or other people, um, I call that God and I give it credit. And it doesn't have to be one defined thing for me uh, to believe in it. No, thank you for, for sharing your perspective on that. Now, you, after retiring from the military, you went on to graduate from Georgetown University in 2014 with a degree in liberal studies and social and public policy. And you often went to Capitol Hill to introduce yourself to politicians there. What were you thinking at that time? <laughs> you know what I was thinking? I was thinking every one of these dudes and ladies up here are going to want to take a picture with me because I'm a shiny object, right? I'm a warrior in uniform that lost his legs. But what they don't know is I'm smarter than they think, and I'm going to sneak up on them with something I care about and make them care about it too. And so I, that's kind of how I handled that. I, um, I kind of... It's a crazy story, and we probably don't have enough time to say it, but basically when I was recovering, I recovered pretty quickly, and the paperwork couldn't keep up with my pace. Um, I got injured August 6, 2010. I was walking, and it, by all accounts, fully recovered by February 2011, and it takes about two years just for the, the, the retirement process to happen. And usually in those two years, you go to college or you do Paralympics and they kind of keep you busy up in D.C. back in during this time. But I wanted something more than that. I knew I wasn't going to lay brick and block for a living. I knew I probably wasn't going to earn my living as a Marine for the rest of my career. So what can I do? I can go educate myself. And so I started college with a community college on campus October. So I got injured in August. I started doing classes in October. And as soon as I was independent, could leave campus, which was around February, I enrolled at Georgetown and started school there. And in doing school, I became interested in policy because I was at Georgetown and we were learning kind of how policy started for mankind. And so I had an opportunity to go up to Capitol Hill and meet Chairman Jeff Miller. Actually, I met him over at 8th and I, if you're familiar with D.C., over at the Marine Corps barracks. And I, I rolled up to Chairman Miller, who's the chairman of the Veterans Affairs Committee at the time for the Republicans who were in charge. But more importantly, he represented the first district of Florida where EOD school is and a lot of EOD retire. And I said, Mr. Chairman, I know all your constituents and they think you should give me a job, which was a very ignorant thing to say, but it worked. No, it wasn't. It wasn't ignorant. It wasn't ignorant. It was bold. Naive, maybe. And It was bold. You got his attention. <laughs> He thought I was retired. He didn't know I was active duty and had a daily commitment to the hospital. 
and was living right beside it. So that was on a Friday. On Monday, they're like, hey, will you come up and submit a resume? We'd like to look at hiring you for a fellowship or an internship unpaid. So I went and bought a suit. I typed up probably the worst resume that has ever made its way to Capitol Hill and was successful. Sat in front of them, did an interview, and they're like, yeah, next week's July 4th, but the Monday after that, we'd love for you to start coming in. And I did a fellowship. So I went and worked out with my therapist from 7 to 9. I was at Capitol Hill by 10, and then I left at 3 or 6, depending on the day, at three, two to three days a week to go to college that night. And that was kind of my routine until the Marine Corps found out that they had some rogue wounded warrior working up on Capitol Hill. And they're like, listen, you got to have ethics training and it's got to be approved. And by that point, I'd been there so long that it, it, like they didn't have a choice but to leave me there. And so I ended up having a pretty good impact on some policy and just really have been involved in some way with it ever since. So that, that's interesting. And you were in, a, in D.C. the same period I was there. I was there from 2012 to 2017. So we, we might have even ran into each other, maybe the RNC or something like that. Who knows? But I, I would have remembered you for sure. I would have. So I'm thinking probably not. But we were in the same place. So you go from Capitol Hill. You had some good impact on policy. I'm interested real quick. What was that policy? And I want to I want to get to your start at Fox News. Yeah. So what the big things at the time was right before I started working for HVAC, John Boehner being the Speaker of the House had put some kind of a hiring freeze. And so like... Basically, it was all about the fiscal responsibility side of being a Republican. They weren't letting Congress just hire and fill all the seats and jobs that the Democrats had held before him. And it was kind of more of a, a we're going to show you all that it can be done fiscally responsibly. So what that meant was I didn't even have a college education, and I was working as the only other staff member in the Disability Assistance and Memorial Affairs Office of the House Veterans Affairs Committee. And so I sat across the table from veteran service organizations lobbying for different things to be done. And, but I had a little bit of a card that I could pull because they were used to sitting that, across the table from civilian Harvard grads, not guys and gals that had actually been through the system. And so there was something called the improvised or the um, it's called the IDES. I can't remember what the I stands for, but it's the Disability Evaluation System. And so used to when you got injured like me catastrophically, you were completely evaluated by the DOD. They finished their evaluation then you got a rating from them. And then you started from scratch with the VA and did a full evaluation with them and you got your pension. And we were able to combine that into one process. And um, and they really looked to me to give the user experience side of it. And then there were other things where people were just lobbying for random things and I could really sniff the, the bull crap, the bu- this podcast, the bullshit. And, uh, and and let the decision makers know, hey, this is not something that this has not helped the veteran community or this is not what it looks like. Um, and so those were two of the places. I mean, unfortunately, even back then, getting substantive bills passed was not easy. Uh, but just having that type of influence on policymakers was a lot of fun. We're talking to Fox Nation host and retired U.S. Marine Joey Jones. We got so much more with him right after a quick break. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge 
indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. How did you go? You, you you talked about your background, family background, and you talked about going into the military, what happened there, and then you just happened to go up to someone and say, hey, your constituents, I know a lot of your constituents give me a job. How did you, from all of that experience, how did you end up on TV? Where did Fox News come in play with all of this? Well, basically what happened is in all of that, I really got, a lot of assistance from military nonprofits and I felt guilty about it early on. Like, Hey, y'all are doing way too much for me. How can I help you? Like, obviously I'm a communicator. I like to talk. Maybe I've got a gift for it. Can I lend my voice and communication experience to you? One of those nonprofits was out of DC and of the many things they did, they took wounded veterans to NASCAR races and, and did some fun stuff. And I ended up meeting this lady, Jen Williams, while I was volunteering for that, which was about the same time I worked on the Hill and went to Georgetown and most of my volunteering time was on the weekends. And um, Jen Williams had been a Fox and Friends producer and left to be freelance. And she was working on a project with NASCAR. And I met her that way. And we became friends. A few years later in 2013, Kyle Carpenter, who had taken my fellowship that I created and took it after me, was about to get awarded the Medal of Honor. I had recovered with him and and, gave, and told them, hey, this is the guy you want working on the Hill. So she asked me to come on and talk about him during Gretchen Carlson's show at the time. Because I think it was called The Real Story. So I go and I mic up. and It's my first time doing live TV. And I'm just going to talk about my buddy Kyle. And President Obama interrupts and does the speech. And he's like, hey, there's this group called ISIS. And we're probably going to have to go to war with them. And she's like, hey, since you're already mic'd up, do you mind to just talk about it? Well, it was an important enough speech and lasted long enough that everybody had tuned in. So if you were tuned into Fox News watching President Obama, when it cut away, there was Joey Jones giving you, giving Obama the what for on this. And, um, and that was my introduction to television news. And from there, I had a, a really a, a fast success on Twitter. And Greg Gutfeld and Mike Huckabee saw me on Twitter, didn't even know I had been on. Each invited me on their news shows, respectively, and, and the rest kind of went from there. What, what did you say about Obama at that time? Um, I don't remember. I, you know, I, I was still in uniforms um, up until 2012. So at that time, I was recently retired, and I just didn't. Um, 
You know, here's the best story I can get for President Obama. I, I went to the White House and had dinner with him with a bunch of four-star generals. And while I was having dinner, he kind of looks at me and goes, Johnny, if you were back in the same place doing the same thing, how would you do it differently? And I said, well, Mr. President, I'd step left. And like General Mattis started laughing, but none of the other ones got it. And what it was is like, you know, when I stepped right, I stepped on a bomb. But the bigger point there was, hey, man, that's for you to figure out. Like my job was to do what was in front of me. The big stuff's up to you. Like figure it out. And um, so that's how I've treated all politicians. Like I tell you, he's very charismatic and, and very good at his words. But I never really – it always felt like he was on. I met him actually a handful of times. And it always felt like he was performing. And I can't be insincere because I haven't met another sitting president. I met Trump before he was president. And I met Bush after. But I could imagine it may be that they're all kind of feeling like they're performing at all times. So I, I was never – overly harsh of President Obama, but I've always called balls and strikes with any of the presidents. That's just who I am. Speaking of, I would like for you to put on your Fox News, Fox Nation hat for a minute uh, before we close out the show. First, you're a veteran of war in Afghanistan. I just read on foxnews.com that all U.S. forces have been removed from um, the Bagram Airfield, the largest military base in Afghanistan. We're going to be completely out of Afghanistan by September 11, according to the Biden administration. A lot of Americans want out of the longest war in American history. But we also see now that we're leaving the Taliban taking over district after district from the Afghan government. It looks like the Taliban could very well take over the country in a matter of months. And of course, the Taliban is aligned with Al Qaeda. So with all that in mind, what's your opinion of America's policy towards Afghanistan as it stands today? You know, I, I'm glad you're talking about wrapping it up with this. It's the most important policy thing we'll talk about, right? The rest of it was just Joey's story. And so now we get to talk about some business. Um, here's the deal. I don't think we've been in a 20-year war. I think we've been in 10 two-year wars because in America, we hold our politicians accountable. And sometimes that's even to our own detriment. And what I mean by that is, Politicians have a way of, of crafting their foreign policy to reflect what the ballot box has in mind. So if it becomes popular to not want troops in Afghanistan, then they'll change their mind. And if, if it becomes popular to go attack um, ISIS, then they'll do that. And, it, and it, a lot of times it feels like it's not really about what makes us safer as much as what gets us to vote. And so the, the really, I, I don't have an opinion as much as questions, which is the problem, right? Like I lost my legs in Afghanistan and I've got more questions than, than definitive opinions on it. And that's the problem right there. But if I were talking to President Biden, I would say, you know, in 2010 and 11, you were the second person in charge. It was the, it was the Obama Biden administration that believed in this war and the victory of it enough to send 40,000 troops to Afghanistan and me being one of them and to let my buddies die and me lose my legs. That's how much you believed in it. Now you're president and you're unconditionally withdrawing, which means you don't ask for anything in return. You're just bringing everybody home. What changed? What changed for you? Why did you go from believing in it enough to let me die for it to not believing in it enough to have anything to show for it? And that would be my question. If he answered it correctly, I'd, I, or if he answered it genuinely and I and understood, maybe I'd accept it. But right now, that's my question. Are you optimistic about the future of America? Always. Eternally. Look, man, there was a time where we were at war with half the Western world, not Eastern, Western world, right? And, and our grandparents, I mean, your grandparents didn't have rights that mine had at that time. I mean, that's just insane to me to even know the world existed that way. But all of our grandparents were turning in steel for the cause, 
right, and get, and standing in the government cheese line because we had to ration our food, all of that just for fight for our survival. And now we fight over how we feel. And so we've advanced a long way and we've been through tougher times. And I just believe that it's in our in our blood that we will, when we're backed against the wall, honestly, we'll survive and do the right thing. We just, unfortunately, even with 9-11 and my war, maybe we haven't been backed against the wall and, and we've been left to our own devices a little too much. Now, my last question before we get into projects you may have coming up and your Fox Nation show and all that good stuff You said before you were raised a Republican and still hold many of those beliefs, but are still critical of the right these days. Looking at the GOP and the right more broadly, do you think conservatives are going in the right direction? You know, it's funny. I was raised as a conservative, but back then that was a blue dog Democrat, right? Like, because we were poor. So you couldn't be poor and be a Republican back in the 80s and early 90s. And so the conservative idea of personal responsibility and respecting someone else's ability to live their life and doing it without the government growing to the point that it becomes just arbitrary authority, that's never changed in me. It's just who represents that from one moment to the other, or if anybody does it all changes depending on who the politicians are. And so for me, like I'm more critical of the people on the right because they're the ones that are supposed to represent my ideas. And when they mess it up, it matters. The people on the left, I don't always fully understand their ideas, so it's hard to be critical of it because I don't agree with it. So I can't tell you how to do it better. I can just tell you I don't like it. But if you're on the right and I feel like you are taking advantage of our passion for the opportunity to get elected, then I'm definitely coming after you or at least asking you to explain yourself. And that's kind of position I hold. And, and as far as um, – you know, where we are now with politics, if you've got a team mentality, you know, as a Georgia football fan, if I've got the ninth best quarterback in the SEC, I'm going to give you a full-throated argument on why he's really the third best because that's my team, right? And we can't do that with our politicians. We can't make excuses for them. We can't make a, a reality that isn't true. we got to be able to be honest about it. And sometimes that means critiquing the politicians that are supposed to be on our side. I love that. We share that. I absolutely appreciate that. I'm going to start calling you Common Sense Joe. <laughs> Common Sense Joey, you're you're up. Now, before we go, do you have any big projects coming up that the folks at home should know about? And where can people find you on social media and elsewhere? Yeah, on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram is pretty much the only thing I'm uh, active on. That's Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y underscore Joey, J-O-E-Y, same handle. As far as what I'm involved in, you know, I have, I have my own little podcast called Proud American on Fox News Radio. You can get it wherever podcasts are, and we'll have you on there soon, I'm sure. Please and thank you. I would Absolutely. love Absolutely. And then on Fox Nation, I have a couple of different projects. I, I've done two seasons of Fox Nation Outdoors. It's uh, really cool. It's a hunting show, but it's really about learning the country abroad. Um, and then I have a couple of projects. One's called USA Inc. that tells the history of tattoos in America and all the military involved. And I've got a project that's uh, dropping July 4th. Um, and I don't know, uh, you know, kind of when people will access this. Yeah. It's the day after, uh, <laughs> it's July 5th. So you get, right. you had a project that came out yesterday. Basically. There we go, there we go. <laughs> We're recording yes, on the Friday before guys. <laughs> so I got a, I got a, a, a really cool thing that should be available on Fox nation around the Monday after the 4th of July. They haven't told me, but I sit down with four veterans from Vietnam, desert storm, Iraq and Afghanistan and talk to them about why they're proud Americans and where they see the country today. It's pretty amazing. Yo, I just want to thank you for joining me, Joey Jones. And it's so wonderful, actually, to know 
even more about your story and know how we really are connected. I, I want to consider you my new brother because there's so much connectivity there. And I look forward to being in touch with you and building a, a stronger brotherly bond with you. So thank you for joining me here on Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. And I'm sure you're going to get a, a lot of new followers who are going to be interested in your story because it's one that's amazing. I hope that you got a book that you're working on because you're, you, Hillbilly Elgy was a great book, but yours would be much more powerful and profound. That's my opinion. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you and all you do, and I look forward to working with you more. I want to thank Joey Jones again for a great interview. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, please email me at outloud at gingrich360.com and I'll try to answer them in our future episodes. And please sign up for my monthly newsletter at gingrich360.com slash outloud. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Parlor at Gianno Caldwell. And if you're interested in learning more about my story, please pick up a copy of my best-selling book titled Taken for Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans That Liberalism Failed. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Klingman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.